As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to The Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti with all the latest from the world of football. This week, I'm joined by Patty Barkley, Ollie Kay, and Alison Rudd. We'll focus on the big matches soon, but uh, first, we thought we should uh, discuss the, the sudden and tragic death of uh, Gary Speed, the Wales manager and former Leeds, Everton, Newcastle, Bolton, and Sheffield United midfielder. I guess most of us heard the news uh, at some point on, uh, on, on, on Sunday morning. Um, Gary Speed was 42 years old. Uh, he was found hanged in his, uh, in his, in his home. Um, nothing suspicious, uh, no suggestion of foul play from the police. And, and obviously, I guess we can all ask us questions. Um, but I, I wanted to start with you, Ollie. Um, you, you, of course, you, you, you covered Wales uh, for, for, for several years. Uh, at the time, he was a captain. Um, what do you what, what do you remember about Speed in terms of how he related to others and and the kind of person he was? Well, he was very much the leader of that that squad, a, a really good Wales squad at the time under Mark Hughes, and um, you know people. People will look at the, the other names that were in there, and Ryan Giggs and Craig Bellamy, and um, John Hartson was a fairly big player at the time. But it's, um, I mean, Speed was the Speed was very much the leader of the one that they all looked up to, the one that all the guys in the press looked up to, and he just had this sort of great aura about him. And I, I you know, sort of as a new reporter going into that scene, I mean, he, he was the one who everybody sort of really looked up to and, and you know almost more than gigs in some ways he, he sort of had this statesman-like quality about him in a way that you don't really expect footballers to have he looked sort of very um, comfortable in um, it still sounds stupid but he looked very comfortable in in, in a blazer and tie and, and you know a suit and tie and um, he just had seemed to have this um, you know, remarkably confident assured mature nature that most footballers don't have, and um, you know that, that was the way he played as well. He, he was very confident, very brave, very disciplined, very clever. He, he was uh, he was a kind of footballer that British footballers produced all too rarely in recent years. I mean, I guess, uh, uh, Paddy, for for me, you know, 
Gary Speed is a bit unusual because he sort of bridged the gap uh, between the time I was I was in school before going to university uh, when I was living here in the in the uh, late eighties and early nineties when he was sort of uh, this this young mm-hmm. midfielder yeah. for uh, uh, for that that Leeds United team um, and that was really one of my first sort of memories after moving mm-hmm. to this country that. That midfield with uh, with McAllister, um, from David Batty. That's right. And Gordon uh, Strachan, and, and Gordon Strachan, yeah, and and, and Speed, and, mm. uh, and I guess it was Chapman and Carl Shutt up front, as yes. I recall, and uh, uh, White and um, Mel Sterland. Mel Sterland. I mean. Chris Faircliffe, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how that John team, McClelland. Yeah, how, but it's it's quite remarkable. Mm. Um, oh, and John Lukic in goal. Um, it, it's amazing how I mean, for me, there's no I wasn't living in Leeds. There's no real reason to remember mm. that Leeds mm. side. Remember, mm. this is before they actually mm-hmm. uh, won the title. But I, I, I just remember, I just remember the sort of left-footed guy yeah. powering around, yeah. powering around the pitch. And then years later, you know, I go, I go off to university, I go to graduate school, I come back. To this country, I, I work in this sport, and Gary Speed is sort of always there, always playing. I mean, uh, I, I th- believe at one point um, he held the record for most Premier League uh, appearances. Mm. Yes, and I know football didn't begin in 1991, but still, mm. you know, he played more games in the Premier League than anybody in the last 20 years, and he was an outfield player at the time. I believe yeah. it's since been broken, but. It's quite remarkable. Yes. Well, he was. Um, I mean, you could talk about Gary Speed as, as a footballer forever because during his career, during his tragically curtailed life, we hardly ever talked about him. I've never known a player so taken, a player of such class, so taken for granted. And I think that was because he was the antithesis of the kind of person, kind of footballer we've come to associate with the deteriorating image of the game, the people we now call character. Um, he, you hardly ever read about uh, Speed other than that he'd played excellently the day before. Um, and, and, and the other thing about him is you talked about that championship winning Leeds team um, in 1992 the, uh, and, and how he was part of that perfectly balanced midfield and they, Howard Wilkinson used him on the left as, and uh, very much for his aerial ability as much as anything else. He was young at that time and yet we thought of him as a mature player. Um, and he continued to be mature um, until he retired at probably stopped playing 38, 39, I don't know. During that time, as Howard Wilkinson pointed out in a, in a, in a very moving tribute um, on television, on Sky Television yesterday before the Swansea match, um, very brave of Howard. I mean, clearly it was difficult for him because Howard was one of the people who actually loved Speed as a man. Um, he, he, he said that, you know, he played him in virtually every position except goalkeeper, and you suddenly remembered. Yes, he played as the, as the wide left, sort of Ray Kennedy-style uh, midfield player. Um, but he also but he ended up as a brilliant uh, fullback as well. He could play as a brilliant fullback, and then he ended up running the game from central midfield. He could uh, do everything, but he did it quietly and he did it in an exemplary fashion. He was the he was. Uh, I know people have said this before, but he truly was the perfect professional. Alison, um, I didn't I didn't know him. I interviewed him when he just joined Everton um, fifteen years ago, and. Uh, 
I remember I wrote at the time he was like a comic book hero. He's yeah. got the name Gary Speed. If you're going to make if you're going to make up a, a the perfect football, you'd call him something like Gary Speed. Mm. And uh, what struck me was, you see, and I, I, sus- I mean, we don't know. I suspect having the word perfect applied to you all the time is not a good thing in life generally. Mm. But uh, he is perfectly polite, and it seemed to me whenever he moved clubs. He always did so in, in, in the perfect way. He, yeah. he, it was always, it wasn't for self-aggrandizement. It was always done thoughtfully and with regret that he was leaving behind people that he cared yeah. for. Um, I don't think you'll find many players who shift clubs as thoughtfully as Gary Speed would do. Mm. Um, and and I, I can only echo what Paddy said, really, is that because he was just so good at doing what his managers wanted him to do, he never sort of, he was never the headline act. You know, mm-hmm. he, he did what, he yeah. did the role unflinchingly never moaned and sometimes he could play really really well and he wouldn't be the, the player you thought of afterwards as being the star player but you know perfectly well the result wouldn't have happened without him mm. um ollie we i guess we, we we sort of think back and uh you know we can we can all think of um of of, of athletes who, uh, who who died um prematurely um, there's obviously no shortage of examples from from, from boxing, um, and, um, and 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 obviously um, racing. But it seems to me in football and in in, in the last few years, um, obviously you know you you think of, of Robert Enke, you think of uh, Gianluca Pesotto, the former Juventus um, fullback during the during the World Cup. You think um, of the, the referee, Babak Rafati, who, who attempted to commit suicide. Uh, and there was another case in Belgium this past weekend. Um, is, there, is there something broader here? Is it just that, you know, the, the, these things sort of stick out and we're maybe unused to them in, uh, in, in, in football of, of people being taken so young? Um. I think in, in in a lot of the instances you mentioned, uh, you know, depression was the depression was the thing, and and we we don't know um, whether that was the case with Gary Speed, and we'd we'd probably rather not speculate. Um, but whatever there was, a guy who clearly seemed to have it all, and seemed to have dozens and dozens and dozens of friends, and well, hundreds and hundreds of friends in football, and um, a brilliant family life, seemingly. Um, clearly felt alone enough to do that and and helpless enough to do that I've no idea why and what the catalyst would be and in some ways I don't want to know but um, I think it just shows you and reminds you something somebody said to me recently about um, when I was talking to the Robert Enker book about it they said the line was something like you know you'll never get um uh, another industry where everything is so close knit uh, in a working environment, yet every um, employee, every player is so isolated from each other. That it doesn't seem like, um, I mean, we're probably rumbling off in another direction here, but it, it doesn't seem like um, there's a great willingness in football from people to, to look, look to each other for, for help off the pitch. Uh, I would guess that that would probably be, be said of society as a whole, but I think there's, um, you know, I think the more and more cases that we hear, whether it's um, you know, players with depression or other vices or, or this kind of terrible news regarding Gary Speed, I, th- I think there is a growing trend where where people, despite seeming to have it all um, in their lives, do feel 
isolated and do feel uh, alone in you know when we don't expect them to. Paddy, I'll give you the, the well, last word on this. Yes, I, all I would say is that Gary, as far as Gary Speed is concerned, that his family have uh, rightly asked for privacy, and I certainly intend to respect that. Um, so I don't have any um, uh, interest in in that beyond um, uh, sadness. Yeah, I think that's something that that, uh, that that we can all share. Speed's passing, of course, was was marked with um, a moment's uh, silence at uh, uh, in Swansea, ironically in in, in Wales, uh, the first match um, on Sunday. Um, but we're going to focus on uh, first on the second match Sunday uh, at Anfield, uh, Liverpool against Manchester City. Um, Alice, I'm going to begin with you because when I saw the the lineup, and obviously. Um, Doug Leach's options were, were slightly limited, of course. Um, Craig Bellamy, very close to speed, um, asked not to be selected or, or wasn't selected. Doug Leach decided um, not to Doug, pick him. Yeah, which I think understandable um, given given the circumstances. Um, I was wondering whether, especially in, in the first half hour or so, it, whether it seemed to you that Liverpool were perhaps a little more cautious than you expected before coming forward. Is that an opinion you share? And was that part of the game plan? Um, well, I, th- I think, I, yes. For the for the opening um, passages of play, um, Liverpool did look like the away team, not the home team. Uh, if you set up 4-5-1, that is a cautious formation. And I think Liverpool get away with it and indeed got away with it on Sunday because the one is Suarez and... I can't really think of another player who you could play uh, a packed midfield with, with one up front and it working as well. If it wasn't someone... I mean, his energy levels are absolutely phenomenal and he makes the defence, the op- opposition defence, think more than if there were two players playing up front. I would like to see... I don't think it would work at all if it was 4-5-1 for Liverpool and the one... Uh, well, who could it possibly be? Who could it possibly be? Kaut maybe has that energy level, but not 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 quite the trickery or the or the finishing ability. Certainly wouldn't work with someone like Carroll. That would be that would be plain stupid. So, I think it did look cautious, but it it worked. I'd like to think that was the grand plan that uh, Dalglish knew all along. It would uh, sort of evolve into being actually quite a. Uh, an attack-minded and almost audacious approach. And by the end, I felt that City were pummeled. Ollie, did you share that assessment or were City pummeled at the end largely because they were down to 10 men? I thought Liverpool were the, the better team once they once they scored on um, 32 minutes. I thought they, um, uh, particularly in the opening, uh, so particularly in the closing stages when City were down to 10 men and I thought were visibly, clearly tiring after their um, midweek exertions. They looked, uh, they, they, they did look a little jaded, although they could have won it on the break with Silva. Um, no, I, I, I thought Liverpool were the better team overall and, and slightly hard done by. I thought Joe Hart made a couple of brilliant saves and, um, and a couple of very good ones as well. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I didn't have a problem with Liverpool's approach. It's fairly normal really to play one up front or 4-3-3, 4-5-1, call it what you like, um, at home these days. And I thought they, they had the best outfield player on the pitch in, uh, in Lucas Lever. 
Yeah, I, I want to follow up on Lucas because, uh, Patty, I can think of few players who, who got as much abuse as, as he did mm-hmm. during his first time. And I think, I'm not going to name names, but anybody can go and Google um, and we can see all the uh, awful things that many people wrote about mm-hmm. Lucas Leva and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and by extension Benitez as well for signing him. Um, but right now in that position, there there aren't many who are playing better in the Premier League. No, I don't think there are, there are any. I think he's the best holding midfield player, one of the best. He must be one of the best in Europe. Uh, it's a it's an area uh, in which the Barclays Premier League is very weak, uh, but not at Liverpool. Uh, and I think he's playing now that role better, possibly than Mascarano used to. Um, although Mascarano had the considerable help of Xabi Alonso. Uh, so it, I, I think I, I just cannot speak highly enough of him. His reading of the game, his tackling, has, which was poor before. I mean, we weren't talking nonsense, the critics were but saying he was, he was, he was uh, poor. He was poor. Uh, his tackling was impetuous, often silly, uh, often a boon to the opposition in terms of free kicks close to goal. It's now absolutely exemplary. You could make a, a video out of him and, and give it to English midfield players because we, we need, in England, we, the national team needs a, a holding midfield player more than just about anything else. So you, you just can't speak highly enough of him. Liverpool, I'd just like to say, I mean, they have now played um, in recent weeks Manchester United, Chelsea and Manchester City. They haven't always won, but they've always been the better, slightly the better side against all three so if I was a Liverpool fan I'd be feeling very very happy and I wouldn't worry too much about uh, tactical issues they've, uh, they've been the better side in, in, in all of those games so they're now competitive with anybody um, but one, one tactical issue I think is it, I mean if you're playing Man United and Chelsea and Manchester City they will come at you and you can play the way Liverpool play if you're playing a team that are more conservative mm. where does the where do the goals come from mm. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's the one thing that Doug Leach will still be working on. Uh, and and, and Ollie, I, want, I want to get your view on this because you know we mentioned we, we praised Suarez and, uh, and and Lucas, but I look at this and and I wonder, okay, is there an alternative to either Lucas and Suarez? In other words, uh, a guy who can do. Lucas's job in midfield, or a guy who can do Suarez's job, or some impersonation thereof, without having to, uh, without having to change a tactical approach entirely. Because obviously, yeah, if, if Suarez is missing, then in comes Carroll. But then, it's a very different team with with Carroll in there. Um, and, and and I'd suggest the the same goes for Lucas. Yeah, well, they've, they've not got an abundance of strikers and obviously there's, there's Carroll there's Cout um, as well and there's um, and in midfield they've got well they have got an abundance of central midfielders but they've not got another one like Lucas I, I just wonder if, if uh, Lucas misses any games or you know whether it's injury suspension whatever or, or just needs a rest then then maybe Gerard or Henderson could could sit slightly but but you um, have to change everything wouldn't you to accommodate you would, you a would, different but, style but, of player uh, yeah but I, I, I mean it's uh, it's probably a mark of um, Lucas's improvement that, that, that we're talking in those terms about him but I, I mean just going back slightly I, if I may um, I don't think he's, he's been some kind of overnight success I, I think he's been Liverpool's best player in, the, in, in both of the previous two seasons um, under Benitez and then under Hodgson initially and Elgleish and um, so he's he's 
played pretty well for a pretty long time, but he, but he is now at a, you know, at, at a real peak in terms of his performance levels. We've talked about Andy Carroll before. Uh, it goes back to this. I mean, maybe we are influenced by his price tag or, or his age, but it strikes me that he's not where he is in terms of, or Doug Leach isn't where he is in terms of having Carroll be a functional part of this Liverpool side. It seems to me that when he comes on, um, Liverpool's approach changes um, because of the big man. And for that reason, you know, you really only see him 15, 20 minutes at a time. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like the old sort of Peter Crouch or chuck him on. And then all of a sudden Liverpool go from playing, uh, being a side that plays a certain way to being a side that plays a different way. Um, do you see Carroll actually integrating with with Suarez, maybe with Suarez moving yeah. to the wing or, or whatever. Is there a way to do that? And is the onus on, on Kenny for finding a scheme to accommodate that? Or is the onus primarily on Carroll for for you know not asking the ball uh, not asking for the ball up high? Because he can't yeah. I mean I think he does have the skills to be more multidimensional. I think even in the even in the current game you don't pay thirty five million for a substitute. And I think that he, uh, that Carroll, um, on some of the form he displayed in his better games at Newcastle, was was not was not big man up front. I mean, he was that, but he was uh, everything else as well. Quick enough, uh, fantastic finisher, decent vision. Um, though perhaps that is something you would hope would exp- uh, improve with time. I don't know what has gone wrong with his physical condition at all, but there's obviously something uh, badly wrong uh, that he, he doesn't start games. But I don't think it'd be necessary at all uh, to uh, to change the... I mean, <sighs> Suarez is an exceptional player. I can't remember anybody since Kevin Keegan, funnily enough, who, who at the same club, who works defences the way he does in, in every possible way, including dark ways, you know, He's, he's such a cheat but <laughs> he is the worst I've ever he has every trick he doesn't just dive he works the linesman he works the referee uh, he's an absolute pest um, but that's why he's so good um, but I, I, I you know he and Carol definitely can play together um, and uh, let's just hope that, that, that from, from England listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. ...point of view as well, that something happens to, take, to, bring, to get back that mobility that, that Carroll, on his better days at Newcastle, uh, showed and, 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 and looked like being the complete centre-forward. It's the old conundrum, though, isn't it? I mean, Andy Carroll is only going to blossom, re, re-blossom. I mean, I think people were fating him when he was at Newcastle. He, mm. You know, he's not come from nowhere. Um, you're only going to re-blossom if he's given match time and... That that's the balance that, that Dalglish has to get right because it, I, I, if there's something wrong with his conditioning, it's of it's of the level I think that he needs match fitness, not not sitting on the bench fitness. 
it was interesting uh, just after the game yesterday I, I was in the press box at Anfield working away and um, the Liverpool unused substitutes and other squad members were sort of having a warm down and a bit of a training session ahead of the Carling Cup game um, at Chelsea and um, I was watching Carroll I had a particular eye on him and you know they were knocking crosses in for him and quite often the, the ball would bounce up in front of him um, and he would just sort of shin it over the crossbar like a Sunday league uh, centre forward and he, he clearly he clearly seems to be struggling with some sort of confidence issue and, and you know it's not surprising really after um, struggling to make the impact he would have liked but then I remember he, he, he lined up a, a free kick about 30 yards from goal I, I don't think I've ever seen him take a free kick and he just absolutely thrashed it with his left foot uh, right into the top corner and the, 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 the goal shuddered even though it hit the net it was um, he's got he's got something about him but he, you know it's, he, in, in, in general play I, I think um, when he has to sort of Control the ball or lay it off or whatever. I, I think he looks sluggish at the moment, and he looks um, he looks like he lacks confidence. But he needs he needs games. Clearly, yeah, it's, it's a it's a shame in a way that they. Um, I mean, it, it would you don't send a thirty five million player out on loan, but he's he could really benefit from that. Just go somewhere, be the main man, get all that back. Um, just to touch upon uh, another young striker who uh, cost um, some 12, 13 million pounds less than, than Andy Carroll, um, but who makes probably even more headlines for things he does off the pitch. Uh, uh, Mario Balotelli is sent off two yellows, um, elbow on skirtle. I, I sort of watched on Twitter, including you, all, all of our K times, mm-hmm. um, you know, like about, uh, about you know, he gets himself sent off again. I watched it again with the benefit of many replays, and I'm thinking to myself, "How is this any different from what Alan Shearer did just about every minute of every game during his career?" And was this a situation where, you know, maybe we're being a little bit too hard on him? I mean, the first yellow, there's no question about it. You know, um, it was uh, it, it, it was silly, but. This second one, I, I thought, was he was he a bit hard done by, or am I just using my blue tinted glasses again? Yeah, well, in what way was I harsh on him? In what way? I, I, I merely reported the fact that he'd been sent off, and the soap opera continues. It's not. That's not saying that he's. Um, okay, I'm not suggesting you're a bad hard, guy, right? I'm not suggesting. However, <laughs> um, there are completely different rules now to when I'm sure was playing. Generally, if you challenge for a ball with your arm up near an opponent's head or face or neck or whatever you are in danger of getting a yellow card and you know there's no you know this this thing of if you raise your hand you get sent off um, is a complete uh, myth or a sort of um, you know, it's become a, a bit of a cliche but um, generally if you've already been booked it's pretty unwise to, to go for a challenge like that I've, I've got sympathy with him but not you know not as much sympathy as, as Mancini had I, I, I thought uh, I thought I saw Mancini sort of <laughs> remonstrate with him when he when he when he came towards the bench after being sent off, and I, I, th- I thought Mancini was protecting him uh, in what he said afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine Mancini would, in some way, be frustrated with him for um, for in, inviting that second yellow card in today's game. He was. He hadn't seen the. I mean, I, I can explain that he hadn't seen the replay yet, and so he thought like, "Oh, Mario, you're being you're being stupid again," um, and uh, and and plus. 
Mario was very angry at being sent off. He thought that mm-hmm. Skirtle had uh, had made a meal of it. A meal of it. But um, that seems to be a growing trend, by the way. Big, tall people with with shaved heads who look hard, and you know, sort of the, the Mark Tierney school of play acting. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I want to leave you with one my final thought, Patty. Um, mm-hmm. If you're Mancini, in the end, yeah, you're annoyed because Balotelli got turned off, but. A point at Anfield on the same weekend that United, who we're going to get to in a minute, um, mm. dropped two points at home against Newcastle. Um, your glass is half full, right? Mm. Mine would be half empty. I think that uh, really, um, I, I, I know we've paid tribute to Liverpool and, and, and rightly so, but Manchester City with the players they have should be winning those games. Uh, they... Uh, and I thought they they should have been two up um, before uh, before the um, you know but really before Liverpool settled they should have been two up City they did to be fair they did start with a very very high tempo playing one touch football which um, you know was clearly designed to to make chances it did they didn't take them um, and uh, I, I no I would say yes the result is okay uh, 1-1 at Liverpool given that Liverpool are a good team this season but uh, I think Manchester City really um, should should have done better I, I was disappointed for the first time this season I thought this team might not win the league Moving on to uh, to Old Trafford, uh, United and Newcastle. Um, you know, pretty much just to get Newcastle all the way. We, we, we talked about uh, how you know they had this brilliant start and they were going to be tested. Then once they played sort of City and United, and they've got Chelsea next. But I kind of feel so far so good. Um, although Sir Alex Ferguson is is rather angry um, uh, over that, uh, that that Rio Ferdinand uh, uh, pa- uh, tackle, which led to the. The penalty kick, um, and he went so far as to suggest that the linesman should not be officiating again, um, which I guess we'll find out this week if he's in trouble. Allison, yeah, I'm looking at you. You know why? You're the qualified <laughs> referee. Um, can you say that the referee got it completely wrong and Sir Alex, once again, um, is completely right? Well, it, you're only going to say the referee got it completely wrong if you if you accept that the referee should overrule what his assistant tells him. The assistant him. got it completely wrong. Well, the assistant did did, did get, oh, you know, you say this every time. He got it wrong because we've seen it, we've seen it several times on a slow-mo replay. Um, it's a, the thing is, regardless of whether it, it had been a fair tackle, and it was a fair tackle, it was actually one of the best tackles I've, I've seen um, Ferdinand make in ages. It was really well-timed. It was really well-timed. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was a sort of tackle you'd show people on a, on yeah. a, on a, on a, on a video of how to be a good defender well, under pressure. Did, didn't, didn't, use the, didn't use the trailing leg no, at it all. It was very exemplary. Clean, very clean, yeah. very clean. And, but, you know, but, but the point is, even if it had been quite a poor tackle... Uh, uh, Rio would have said it was fine, and Ferguson would have would have slated the officials anyway. Correct. So there's a bit of crying, crying wolf, wolf and fire, fire, and all that nonsense going on. So we ought to be very sympathetic to Ferguson that um, his team played very well, and um, they were undone by a poor decision. But uh, they're so rare; poor decisions are so rare at Old Trafford, anyway. Um, uh, so I don't blame the referee. This is not in at the amateur level as a referee. You are told to take complete control of the game and ignore your assistants because you're not sure what calibre they are, what the motivations are. There are often people who come from the one of the clubs, they're biased and so on. 
and so you see it all the time amateur level referees completely ignoring the flag on the touchline at, at this at this high high the high Premier League level one of the top games uh, in the world happening this weekend it would be it would be poor I think for a referee to ignore a man that he is part of his team he trusts him he's close to the action and he's telling him I definitely saw that as a foul so I don't blame the referee at all and who knows from the angle the assistant was standing it may it may have looked like he also took took the player Fergie changed it again in midfield and I mean I like squad rotation I like the fact that he's embraced it I think he's taken it a bit far this season um do you think and, and you know he might make the point that Anderson and Cleverly are out but you know you're talking about Anderson and Cleverly here here you know you're not talking about sort of Brian Robson and Glenn Hoddle and here I'm dating myself um Moses. Pardon? Remy Moses. There you go. But um, is there is this counterproductive at this stage? Do you think that this constant chopping and, and, and changing and Rooney's in midfield and Rooney's in up front and this one comes in and that one goes out and Darren Fletcher disappears and this one reappears? Well, has, has anybody actually, actually and also uh, and, and answering that has anybody had the opportunity to sit down and ask him? I don't subscribe to MUTV, so I don't know. No, you, you know how limited opportunities to sit down and ask uh, Fergie. But I would have thought, I mean, but, he might have explained it. He likes yeah, talking about football. Yeah, well, supposedly, apart from when you're um, asking genuine questions. But the, um, I mean, instinctively, I think most people would say, yeah, that, that there is no continuity. There's, you know, he's chopping and changing. He's not, he's not found a winning formula. But if you look, if you go back two or three seasons to when United were. Um, Absolutely dominant for for a period in mid-season where I think they conceded. He didn't went something like thirteen, fourteen games without conceding a goal. He was changing the defence every game, game to game. You know, it was it was um, it was you know it was a completely back new central defensive partnership, completely new fullbacks every game. It seemed completely new central midfield partnership. Sometimes he changed the goalkeeper as well, Van der Sar, Kuschek, whatever. And I think it's basically about. You know, I think I think that shows that it can work, but I, I'm just not convinced by the quality of the individuals in in this in this United squad. Um, we all know that the, 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 the collective adds up to, adds up to something substantial with United, but the United central midfielders. I'm, I, I like Carrick, but he's, he's not really played well or consistent, consistently for two and a half years. Giggs is, what, 37 or is he 38 now? Um, Anderson I've never been a fan of. Fletcher has not played well over the last year or two, probably because of this illness and struggling to shake it off. And Tom Cleverley, in, in his absence, has been built up to be... Um, Sort of Brian Robson and Roy Keane and Paul Scholes combined, which just shows the desperation. He's had Jones in the midfield sometimes, Rooney in midfield sometimes. I mean, that that midfield is not; those players are not players that you would think are going to be um, winning the Champions League with that that midfield. It's just. I, I don't think it's necessarily the chopping and changing. I, th- I think it's the individuals. I just don't think they are good enough to find to, to form a, a central midfield partnership that is going to work week after week after week to, to, to achieve all that United want to achieve. Time now for some quick hits. Andre Villas-Boas was reportedly under fire, but uh, Chelsea beat up on Wolves 3-0 at the weekend. Uh, so, Oli, does that mean that AVB has nothing to worry about now? And what do you make of the fact that Fernando Torres has been on the bench for three consecutive games? 
actually four consecutive games with Torres, and and it I stand corrected. And it's almost reached the stage where that news belly meets a shrug when the the, 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 the teams are read out. He is really struggling, but he has become. Well, I mean, he's not the least of the problems, but he's become a, a relatively minor problem compared to the overall picture at Chelsea, which isn't good. Results aren't good, and they're not. The overall pitch isn't changed by one win against a, a poor Wolves team. They need a, a really good run, and to put this bad moment, as Carlo Ancelotti would call it, behind them. Uh, I was at that game, and I can confirm it was a, a horrible day for Wolves, which uh, just started badly. We can see that early goal and went downhill from there. At the Emirates, Arsenal huffed and puffed but couldn't blow down Martin Yole's house. In fact, when Thomas Vermaelen got the equaliser at the end, the relief was palpable. Uh, Paddy, is this a case of Arsenal playing poorly, Fulham playing well, or perhaps something else entirely? Uh, well, it was uh, certainly Fulham played well. I, I was there. It was uh, it was a very high-class game of football, actually. I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. I don't think it's a case of Arsenal playing poorly at all. I think it's just a case of if Robin Van, Van Persie doesn't score at the moment. Nobody else is going to score many. Well, certainly not Arshavin, who got a rare start out on the wing. Mm. Uh, don't look now, but Spurs keep marching on. If they win their game in hand, they'll pass Manchester United and move into second place. Allison, they won at West Brom at the weekend uh, uh, without Luka Modric and Rafael van der Vaart. Might they be the real challengers to City? They might. Uh, the, the only problem is uh, their, their game is, is so high-tempo. It's so based on energy and sort of swamp, swamping the opposition uh, and it, they are, del- are a delight to watch because of that but uh, that's quite a, a, a difficult um, approach to sustain through the whole season um, but they do have a fairly large squad and those two players that we're missing are, are the two best <laughs> players in the team so it's certainly looking good yeah, uh, West Brom's defence didn't exactly pull up trees in that one either, but credit to uh, Tottenham. Stoke defeat Blackburn 3-1, but those grumpy stewards at the Britannia remove a banner calling for Rovers boss Steve Keane to be sacked. Ollie, uh, were they a bit overzealous here? Given that it's the supporters who pay Keane's wages, do they not have a right to air their views with a, with a nice civil banner reading Keane out? Yeah, I, I can't see any harm whatsoever in that banner. I, I also, can't. it's Stoke, right? It's not like they were saying yeah, Pulis out. What do you care? Absolutely. It's, uh, no, it, it, it's fairly bewildering. I'm sure they trot out some kind of health and safety um, explanation. Um, but, I mean, the Steve Keane situation, it is, it is baffling. I, I interviewed him recently and sort of asked him various um, slightly uncomfortable questions. Um, I, I think he's got plenty to offer as, as a manager and as, and as a coach, but of course his job should be on the line after um, whatever it is three game, three wins in 27 games and for the board to, at Blackburn to, to give him a new contract in defiance of those um, those supporters obviously they don't have to pay attention to everything the fans say but to, to give him a new contract is just bewildering and raises more questions than answers and I, I find that whole situation very uncomfortable I never understood the economics. I thought in, in a free market, the whole point was don't pay somebody to do a job um, more than he would do the job for. So if mm. he'll do the job for half a million, pay him half a million. Why you got to give him more money? Does it make him a better manager? Well, he's, he, I mean, he's, he's getting a, a, a good Premier League um, manager's contract. And, and I would say that he would have probably done it for, for very, very little when, when <laughs> he was off the job um, nearly 12 months ago. It, it's, it's bewildering. 
Neil Warnock is annoyed, and not just because QPR lost 2-1 at Norwich. His two first-choice goalkeepers are injured, and the Premier League stopped them from making an emergency loan signing, forcing him to recall some 20-year-old kid named Elvis, who was on loan at Borehamwood. Yes, his name really is Elvis. Um, Warnock says it's a case of double standards, since City were allowed to make an emergency signing a few years back. Uh, Patty, you and Neil Warnock have been intimate friends for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to stick up for your uh, podiatrist buddy? Nope. I'm going to um, gently, and I hope he never finds out about this, I'm going to gently correct him. I, I, in my opinion, I think it's good that the Premier League enforce very strictly um, their uh, rules on, 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 on loan signings. Whatever they did a few years back, and I don't remember, um, they're doing the right thing now. That's what kids are for. That's what your that's what your youth players are for to play when your senior ones aren't available. I think it's a good, a good well done Premier League, I say. Well done, yeah. That's it. Isn't there somebody who always who often who's done this three or four times? Right, just an aside. Sorry, Skinner, don't get angry. Who's actually not put a reserve goalkeeper on the bench? Is there some manager who's, yes, who's done it a bunch of times was. this year? Yes. Who doesn't put a reserve goalkeeper on the bench? You know I, I thought it, it was Warnock. I, I think it was Warnock. At it was United. Warnock, yeah. It was Warnock, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good old Neil, huh? So that's double standards. <laughs> <laughs> Sunderland take an early lead against Wigan, but it's all for naught as Franco Di Santo's late, 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 late winner condemns them to their sixth defeat of the season. Uh, some are already calling for Steve Bruce's head. Uh, Allison, is it right to stick with Brucey? And if so, is it right to do so because he's a nice man or because he's a good manager? Mm. Well, they haven't just started calling Steve Bruce's head, have they? There's been discontent there for a while. And it, the problem is it's become a vicious circle. Um they're not just saying Bruce out the fans they're being abusive about him now and you can tell it's getting to Bruce and the minute the manager starts saying things like if it helps then I'll go I that is a very that's an entrenched position uh, I I think I think it's really hard to come back from that to be honest so um you know heads are down and um He's, you know, he was given money. He brought in players. There's been no discernible change uh, in level of play or ambition on the pitch. And I, I hate saying a manager should go, but it, it does, it does feel like he's about to go. Okay, Alison. Now imagine I'm Steve Bruce. Should I resign, Alison? I think you'll be happier if you resign, Steve. Thank you. Gab, one for you. Barcelona lost for the first time in 28 matches at the weekend, 1-0 at Hetafe. Say it ain't so, but I'm going to ask you, is it all falling apart for Pep Guardiola? It's not good because Real Madrid obviously won and and they've got a a six-point margin. And of course, the Clásico on uh, December 12th is at the Bernabeu. that said, I don't think Barcelona played that badly. Uh, Messi was was ordinary by his standards, um, but they did have a lot of the ball. They played against an opinion against an opponent who put you know nine guys in in, in the six yard box. Um, kind of makes you wonder why that kind of defense doesn't work more often against Barcelona. Um, you know, they've got some guys out, Iniesta, uh, Cesc Fabregas, and so on, but. I don't think it's quite, you know, all hands to the pump just yet. Uh, that said, it does ratchet up the pressure for the classical. Lose that nine points, then it becomes really, really tricky to get back into it. 
That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us on this, uh, this sad, sad week. You can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis, your web chats. You can also follow us all on Twitter. Thanks for joining us this week. Hope you can make it next week. Till then, bye-bye. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.